Someone literally asked me, they're like, how does it feel that the Angels used all 20 of their picks on the pitchers? And I was like, dude, have you ever gone to Vegas and you can keep throwing, you know, a couple bucks on black and you're like, 10 reds came up in a row. It's got to be black this time. It's got to hit soon. And it's like, one of those draft picks has to be an all-star, right? I mean, you'd hope so. <laughs> you would hope so. It's what they desperately need right now. So yeah, it, That's all I can hope for. Welcome to Our Factual Opinion, the podcast where your co-hosts, Zachary Nikolai and Tyler McGee, give you their factual opinion on all things sports. Tyler, I've already been telling you about the Angels. It was exciting. Happy uh, July 13th, by the way. It is the day after the Home Run Derby. The great Shohei Otani was the number one seed for the Home Run Derby. He is going to be a lot of history here for you. He is the first baseball player to be an all-star as a pitcher and a hitter. He will be the first baseball player ever to be the starting pitcher and the leadoff hitter in an all-star game. And he's just the best thing to ever happen to baseball. So to start off our show, I would like to start with double take. You guys watch on ESPN, first take, Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman. Stephen A. Smith said maybe the worst thing I have heard him say, and let me start by saying this. Stephen A. is a brilliant reporter. He is a brilliant journalist. I think he writes better than he talks. When he used to write about basketball, he's a wizard with his words. He is a fantastic journalist. Now, when he goes on his shows, sometimes all he does is yell, and if he's louder than Max, he thinks he's right. And so in this instance, Tyler, yesterday, before the Home Run Derby, he brought the worst press to himself and the Asian community when basically asked, is Otani being the number one attraction for baseball, the best thing for MLB in short term? He basically said someone who needs an interpreter who does not speak the English language should not be the face of baseball. I was visibly upset for about four hours yesterday. I was fuming because he is the best thing since Babe Ruth. He's going to be better than Babe Ruth. You know, I might want to pump the brakes on that, but he's better than him. You know, he goes out there. Hell, he went and he was the number one seed in the home run derby yesterday. And now he's going to go out and pitch less than 24 hours later. He is a super freak. He goes out on the field and baseball is the language that he speaks. People block their televisions. I bet you if I played an audio clip for you of how Mike Trout sounds or how Jacob deGrom sounds, you wouldn't be able to tell me that it's them. And they speak English. Shohei speaks English. It's pretty good English. He just feels more comfortable with an interpreter. So for Stephen A to come out and say, hey, you can't be the face of baseball because you don't speak the English language and you have an interpreter, absolutely ridiculous. And then he later on went on Twitter and pretty much doubled down. He didn't apologize until later. He doubled down and said, you guys didn't listen. I wasn't attacking the game of baseball. I was just saying... You know, in response to Sports Illustrated's article, 28% of the league is now foreign players. So with 28% of the league being foreign players, don't you think that maybe one of them can be the face of the league? I think it's I think it's kind of ridiculous to say that he can't be the face of the league, especially because he is very globally known now. He's international player putting MLB on a global scale. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I didn't understand the take. I don't know. I, I think maybe some of it has to do with him also being in the Angels market because Anaheim, you know, not necessarily the biggest market, but Los Angeles. 
were the Los, Los Angeles, Angeles Angels. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> but it, it makes zero sense, though, Tyler. And I'll give this. I do believe that Stephen A. understands what he said now. He went and he released something on Twitter. It was a notes app. You know, anytime you see notes <laughs> on Twitter, it's a huge apology. I, mm-hmm. I think that's just the culture we're in. If you see that, you know it's going to be something. And so saw it. I wasn't too impressed with it. I kind of read it and I was like, okay, like, I don't think this is you. And then he went on first take today and he gave, it's a five minute clip. I would say it's about four minutes of apology and then about a minute of him kind of saying some other stuff. But you know what? He is a guy who I truly believe he didn't mean harm. And he went on to say like, this isn't what I intended. And he goes, but I don't want to keep saying that because that's always racist first things where they say that wasn't my intention to be hurtful. So for him to kind of identify like, Hey, I'm a black man. I know injustice. I know all this other stuff. I know how there can be a community that's marginalized. And for me to do that, I feel bad. And so for him to step up, acknowledge that he was wrong and not only acknowledge it, but publicly apologize to show hey individually to his company. I didn't even think he had to apologize to ESPN and Disney and Max and Molly, but he did. He apologized to his co-host, the host, the producers, ESPN, everything. And, you know, and he owned it. So a horrible thing that he said yesterday on first take today, you know, I accept the apology, but the old saying, you know, forgive, Mm -hmm. never forget. Stephen A, I know my opinion doesn't mean anything to you. I forgive you for your horrible take, but I'm not going to forget it, man. Shohei's the face of the league. Yeah, truly. I mean, he's an electric player, bringing out the best of baseball. He's honestly what I pictured what watching Babe Ruth would be like. Across networks to uh, Stephen A's old buddy, we have our disputable, our undisputed with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. Today, uh, Skip said that that he thinks it's crazy that the 76ers would even consider dealing Ben Simmons, which I think that's crazy that you wouldn't consider it at all. Because right now, I mean, you saw his playoff performances. I feel bad for him. He's getting a lot of hate. You know, he's in his own head mentally. But right now, the NBA is a shooter's league, and Ben Simmons is not a shooter. I mean, dang, he wouldn't even take an open dunk in the playoffs. But like I said, Skip, I think, is pretty crazy for them not wanting to trade Ben Simmons. I mean, a change of scenery for Ben could be really good. And right now, the 76ers are in win now. The process is, it doesn't look like it's going anywhere with Ben Simmons anymore. I think it's I think it's time to deal him. And it's not like he's a bad player. He's averaging, he averaged last season 14, 7, and about 7 which is really good stat lines, but for what the 76ers need, they need a point guard that can shoot. They need someone who's going to be reliable in the fourth quarter because in the playoffs, he virtually disappeared in the fourth quarter. He had like two shots every fourth quarter against the Hawks in that series, which is not what you want from your starting point guard. And you see an analysis of him every time it was, he's going to pass it off to Seth Curry set a screen and then run down to the block. And that's about all he did on offense for the rest rest of the time. And that's not good for the 76ers. They're, like I said, they're in win now mode. It's time for them to make a trade. I've never understood the term untradeable. Like I think everybody's tradable in football, except for maybe two guys in baseball. I think except for maybe four guys, everyone, you know, is tradable. Basketball, I used to say that there was about 
five. I'm at the point now where it's like, you know what, LeBron, you're getting. I love LeBron. I think he's still a top three player in this league. I don't think you should go here, Zach. Dude, finally got injured. You know, Anthony Davis, people were like, oh, he's great. Well, he was traded there. I can, if I was the Lakers, I'd flip him. I already got a championship out of him. Like, I'd flip him. You know, Damian Lillard, I would think is untradeable, but obviously he's unhappy. So what's happening? There's trade talks. You know, Steph Curry, I think, I think Steph and like two other guys might be the only untradeable players in the league. So don't tell me that Ben Simmons trading him is an awful idea. You know, now don't go trading him for peanuts. You know, I'm not saying that, but come on. Thinking of trading Ben Simmons is unthinkable. Stop it. Listen, like my thing is right now, you need someone who can step up and score. And Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons can facilitate the ball, plays great defense, just can't shoot it. And I don't think if you have Joel Embiid right now in his prime, you want a player who you're talking about possibly switching his shooting hands a couple, five years or so, four years or so into his career. Like that's not something you want with Ben or with Joel Embiid right now. And honestly, I just, I think the 76ers fan base is just over him. I think it's just time for them to move on. I think the 76ers fan base is over him. Sounded like Doc Rivers was over him. I just think it's time to finally move on from him. Unfortunately for the 76ers, who they thought he was the next reincarnation of LeBron James. But, hey, if he gets traded, he's going to have a great, great season, I think. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, yeah. God, I forgot people were like, this is the next LeBron. Look at him. Oh, yeah, yeah they compared him to Magic. 6'10 point guard who could pass. I mean, he's only 20, 24, I think. So that's, he's still really young. It's just, I just think it's it's time for them to move on. You know he what? I wish you went ridiculed. to the Olympics. Play for I Australia? I, I, I don't care who you play for. I, I just want him <laughs> to go out there and get more reps. That's literally it, man. It's you're out here. You know what I would have done is I would, if I was Doc Rivers, I would have took him and said, go play for Australia, New Zealand. I don't care where you go play. Go play for somebody. And you shoot right? the ball every time you go. Australia or am I tripping? It's Australia. I, but okay. it, I don't care where he goes and plays. Just shoot the ball. That's what I'd which tell hand, him. Which hand is he shooting with, though? Switch it up nightly. Both. I don't care. Figure out, figure, figure out something that works for you, though. That's what I'd tell him. I'd say, I don't want to use you for preseason. I don't want you to work on yourself in a gym and everything. No, go against live bodies. Shoot the ball every chance you get. Moving on. Got some more basketball talk. Uh, the NBA Finals. Uh, our next segment from First Things First, Nick isn't always right. Nick Wright basically saying that if the Bucks happen to lose this NBA Finals, and Giannis continues to perform at the level that he's performing at, Giannis should still win finals MVP, which isn't crazy to see the numbers he's putting up. Still early in the series, a lot can happen, but I just don't think you can give a finals MVP to a player on a team that loses in the finals. Now, I know you said maybe, you could talk this after, and I said maybe if it goes seven, because the only other person Everyone who watches the NBA knows this. The only other person who's ever won the finals MVP on a losing team was Jerry West back in about, I think, 1969 when they lost to the Celtics in Game 7. And in that series, Jerry West averaged 37, four rebounds a game, seven assists a game. That That is some pretty crazy numbers. But I just think you can't give the finals MVP to someone 
who just lost in the finals. We talk so heavily on the regular season MVP. You you don't deserve the regular season MVP if your team is losing, right? That's pretty like common thing right now in the NBA. So how can you give the finals MVP to someone who lose, loses? Let's just shed some light on Jerry West real quick. People are like, yeah. oh, this bum, like he shouldn't be the logo anymore. Okay. Averaging 37 in a series in the 60s, like that's insane. Guy, guys weren't doing that except for the logo. So Jerry West definitely deserved. There's probably only one other player in history, and that's LeBron back against the Warriors. Yep. I have that right. They here. lost in game seven. Like he was, correct me he if I'm six. wrong, he led both teams in everything. Yeah. He Points, led... rebounds, assists, blocks, steals. So, yeah, it was the 2015 Warriors Cleveland series, and LeBron averaged 35.8 points a game. 13.3 rebounds a game and 8.8 assists. He almost averaged a triple double in the finals. So he was that's, 36, that's 13, insane. and 9. And you know who got the finals MVP that year? Oh, that was Iguodala because unquote, he slowed defense. him down. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah, though he Steph slowed Curry him down. Good job, like Iggy. 26, 5, and 6. That's that's insane. He, he slowed LeBron down. If Iguodala wasn't guarding LeBron, LeBron would have had probably 45 points. Yeah, I know. Good, good job, Iguodala. And don't forget that series gave birth to the I want Iguodala take. I want Iguodala. Yeah. Oh, God. That's terrible. So, you know, LeBron should have won that. Giannis right now, what's going for him is expectations create disappointment. And so when you see a guy who had what I thought was an awful injury, it looked bad when he hyperextended. I thought his he was knee. done. I thought he was done. I, I didn't think we were going to see Bucks him next season. I, well, I, I didn't think that. I thought he was just done for the playoffs. I thought he was going to have to recuperate and recover and be ready to go by the start of next season. But I, I thought we were going to see him after the All Star break next year. Like that's how bad it was. And then he, because I remember I was reading it, and then you and I were talking. And I was like, yeah, no, he's not playing. You know, this is going to be bad. And then all of a sudden he's yeah. like, I'm playing game one. I was like. You're, you're seriously going to do this. And then, you know, he, I, he balled out. Off of what you would think would be a bum knee, I, I honestly, I just can't believe it. I thought when they said he's ready to go for game one, or he was actually, he was doubtful, and then he was upgraded to questionable, and then he was playing. And I when I saw that, I thought, this isn't going to end well. I thought he's going to re-injure his knee, and I thought, I thought he was going to thought it was an Anthony Davis finals. thing. Yeah, Anthony yeah. Davis, and then go back to Kevin Durant when that same thing happened to him in the finals. Yeah. I thought that's how it was going to end up, but yeah, he's looking was, like nothing is wrong with him right now. I was thinking, you've seen history, honest. Why are you doing this? And then that shows why I'm at home talking about him, and he's <laughs> out there making millions because he's that really shows good why it, so. us fans who have barely any sports playing experience are talking about seven foot Giannis, who's exactly freak athlete, incredible player. Exactly. But so expectations, you didn't expect him to be here. So that's yeah. my thing. It's I didn't expect him to be in the series, you know, the team, maybe, but him, no. So for him to come back, dominate, and there's nobody on the Suns who's really doing anything. I mean, D-Book was benched the whole fourth quarter. You can't have mm -hmm. a finals MVP who was benched for a whole quarter, not because they were blowing someone out they were getting blown getting out blown out you know chris paul i like... mean that'd be oh he was bad yeah bad. Was chris paul i mean like it'd be poetic for him to win it i hope he wins it he'll probably win it because you know winning team they usually get it but 
I, I don't know. I've gone back and forth. I really think if it goes seven and if Giannis leads every statistic for both teams, I would say the same thing I said for LeBron. And yeah, you got to give it to him. But you know Listen, what? If he's not leading in steals, if he's not leading in assist, you can't give it to him. I would be advocate for giving it to him. I mean, we're all speaking so far in advance. The series is still game game four is tonight and it's in Milwaukee. But I would be advocate advocate for giving it to Giannis if they lost. They could still very much win this series. Gonna be tough. That's a whole nother topic, like I was saying. Could be tough going back to Phoenix, but either way, if LeBron won that finals MVP back in 2015 when he led every single category basically, if he won it, I would say, okay, if the Bucks loses, Giannis continues to perform at the rate he's playing at, Giannis should get finals MVP. But that precedent is set. Yeah, the precedent is set. Finals MVP is always going to the team who wins the finals. That's that's it. That's just how I think it is. And I don't think it'll change. If LeBron won it, it would have changed, but nah. I want to shift over to first things first on the other side of the table. Brandon Marshall. Let's continue. Nick isn't always right. Brandon Marshall, I think, is a great football mind. But then he starts getting into hypotheticals, and that's what killed it for me today on first things first. Brandon Marshall, uh, there was the top 10 quarterback list that was released by NFL. They came out and they interviewed uh, coaches, executives, all this other stuff, and they said, you know, rank rank the quarterbacks. And so I'm not going to rank them for you. I'll give the top four. The top four was Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, and then Wilson. And now I have my own issues with the list. Marshall came out and he said, you know what? We always say that Wilson's underrated. Wilson's underrated. Let me be the guy. Wilson should be number one, not number four. And so let's, let's slow down. I don't want to pump the brakes. I want to step on them, stomp on them. We're on the freeway. We're going 90. We need to stop. (laughs) You're going to hit something. You got to stop it, Marshall. Someone cut your brakes because you're not stopping. This guy doubled down. He was ranting. He was going crazy. And so to me, he went over this whole thing where, well, if you gave him, you know, an offensive minded coach in uh, Bruce Arians or, or the guy in Kansas city, why am I blanking on Andy Reed's name? The great Andy Reed. I apologize. You know, if you gave him one of him, they'd be great. He'd be throwing all this. He's the winningest quarterback since he came into the league. All true. The thing is right now, though, I am not arguing that Wilson shouldn't be at four. I'm arguing that he shouldn't be at one. Because to me, I have guys always saying Brady's washed. Brady isn't doing this. Brady can't Brady's do that. Fall Brady, off the can't, cliff. Brady can't run around. Brady can't do all this stuff. Okay, if he can't run around and if he's falling off that cliff, why is he going back to back Super Bowl? Like maybe not winning them, but he's going to them. You know, he's gone to more in the past five years than like 99% of quarterbacks have in their entire playing career. Like it's ridiculous. So to me, it's okay. Let's give Tom Brady, Andy Reid. Nobody in their right mind thinks Bruce Arians is better than Andy Reid. Let's give him Andy Reid. And not only let's give him Andy Reid, how about we give him Travis Kelsey? Because Kelsey (laughs) is pretty close to Gronk in his prime. Oh, yeah. And instead, he's thrown to a washed Gronk, who's still pretty great, and he's catching two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand how people 
grade it anymore. Like, are we going to say tough. Patrick Mahomes is the most talented? I'll agree with that. So yeah. we'll put him at one. But I'm telling you right now, it's I don't get how you put Wilson above any of those three. I think what's tough is a lot of it is always based off of hypotheticals. It's like that's just the only thing is that this, that's not the case. You know what I mean? He's not on a team with a Gronk. He's not – well, yeah, he's not on a team with a Gronk. He's not on a team with, you know, the creative greatness mind of Andy Reid or Bill Belichick. I mean, nothing against Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is a great coach. But first of all, I, I just – I don't know. A lot of it is just hypotheticals, and that's why I don't like some of these rankings because that's based off of hypotheticals. Nothing against Russell Wilson. I love Russell Wilson. I think he's a really great QB. And I mean, I agree with you. I I can't imagine putting him above players like Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. I I don't get how it's people are disrespecting Russell Wilson. Like no one's disrespecting him. I always tell you this. How is it disrespectful to say you are the fourth best person in the entire planet at what you do i always think it's funny too because i do hear that a lot i hear people saying russell wilson is underrated russell wilson. everyone says russell wilson is underrated if everyone's he's saying it, he's not underrated yeah he's no. he's not underrated at all i think he's definitely top five quarterback in the league right now and he even proved it last season he had a great season last season yeah. beside until the end like when, 13 you know, he kind of slowed down but like yeah i mean you can't even blame that on him his line was just absolutely terrible that's why he said get me a line or i'm trying to trying to leave (laughs) yeah see but that's the thing it's like i've seen brady with bad lines and he still succeeds you know rogers he's always had a great line out in green bay he always has patrick mahomes rogers has really good pocket awareness too well rogers is something else rogers is something else man but you look at mahomes and it's like he finally doesn't have a line in the super bowl and what happens can't even score a touchdown Guy was four touchdowns. Guy was running more yards than his running back. <laughs> yeah, like so, you, you know, it's always this guy doesn't have enough support. I saw Brady throw into guys named Julian Edelman and Wes Welker, and the only reason you know who they are is because of Brady. Like, yeah. come on now, you know. And then you, it's it's just stop doing hypotheticals with me. Let's look at where they're at. Let's see what they have, and based on that, you tell me what you think of them. And based on that, I think the top four is pretty solid. I wouldn't change yeah. it except maybe putting Brady ahead of Rodgers. You know, maybe Rodgers might be the better golfer. Who knows? I can see the argument for both of Rodgers ahead or Tom Brady ahead of him. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, nothing's wrong with being top four. You're not an underrated QB if you're the fourth-ranked QB in the NFL. No. It doesn't make any you're, sense to me. No. You're and, getting yeah. paid where you should. You know, you're ranked by your peers where you should. Yeah. Like, I fail to see the disrespect. So, B. Marsh, come on, man. Let's let's calm down. I love Wilson. I do. But I I can't put him above those other three guys. Yeah. Really? I don't think I could either. Actually, I don't. I don't, enough not, about don't think. I definitely can't. Yeah. Enough about quarterbacks, Tyler. Let's move on to pro football focus tweeted out who is the best receiver of the 21st century. So 21st century, 2000 to now, you know, if they start 98, 99, I'll allow it. You know, they had names like Fitzgerald, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Marvin Harris, Calvin Calvin Johnson. Johnson. They had all these guys. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. Yeah. They included Julio Jones on that list too. They they did. I wouldn't include them, but I wouldn't either, but 
Tyler McGee, yes. best receiver of the 21st century. Who you got? Randy Moss, baby. Randy Moss. I'll yes, tell you what. Sir. I'll tell you what. Uh, He's my 1B. 1B. He's so my 1B. I'm assuming 1A, Terrell Owens. And so I got to go. I got to go T.O. 1A. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't necessarily think that's like a bad take. I think that's I could go with either of them. They both have their iconic moments. You know, Randy Moss has his three touchdown, insane stat line Thanksgiving game. Then you got Terrell Owens on the other end who played a whole game with go a ahead broken and say leg. It. There he you got go. Yeah. 20 receptions in a game. You know, he's over there on the Dallas Cowboys star. Like he's grabbing the popcorn. He is so much fun and iconic and randy moss i yeah. mean you, you want to talk about iconic moments it's the no, three, they you, posted every thanksgiving it's three receptions three touchdowns that, yards okay you want to like, talk about that they have a whole catch called getting moss because of randy moss and what he did jumping over defenders reaching over and grabbing the ball i mean they were have you ever really, heard of the catch yeah i mean i have heard of the catch the catch joe montana terrell owens and Steve Young have the catch too. Mm, too like it, yeah. they're iconic. Like, yes, Randy Moss, you know, you got Moss. He was, they're just two different receivers. And Randy Moss in his heyday, he was electric. I would have loved you know, to have was, him on my uh, fantasy team. Dude, your fantasy team when he broke the record for 20 yeah. touchdowns in a season. Like, that's uh -huh. just, it's ridiculous. You know, he's 6'4, he's lengthy, and he had sprinter speed. Yeah, he he was just ridiculous. He had great hands, as you could tell from Moss. And you, when you think of him, T.O., th this is where I don't like the argument. You know, people say, oh, T.O. played a season longer, so obviously he has better stats than Randy Moss. T.O. played a season longer, but he actually only played one more game more than Randy Moss due to injuries. Mm -hmm. So Randy Moss, 218 games. Terrell Owens, if you're good at math, 219 games. Theo, with one more game, had 1,078 receptions. Moss only had 908, well, only 982. Oh, that's it. That's all he I had. Know, only. That's mm. all he had, man. But you go over to receiving yards. Theo has more, close to a little over 600 receptions or receiving yards more. Moss obviously has more receiving touchdowns because he just had that ridiculous speed, 156 mm -hmm. to 153. Both have the same amount of Pro Bowls in six. Theo has one more all pro than Moss, five to four. Neither of them got a Super Bowl. Randy Moss should have. We're not going to talk about 2007. Yeah. And, you know, I'll give uh, Randy Moss, he won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah. I mean, but you, you can look also at it, it's discuss, similar. You can discuss the QBs they had too. See, but so you get to that and you have mm -hmm. Randy Moss on the best, second best offense. We're not going to put it up against the greatest show on turf. Second best offense of all time with the greatest quarterback of all time finding you. So let's give Moss the nod towards quarterbacks because Terrell yeah. Owens. Oh, also Moss had uh, uh, Dante Culpepper. Don't forget about that. <laughs> T.O. had, do you want to know who T.O. had? Tony Romo. Yeah, yeah. He had Tony Wait. Romo. Now he did have oh. Steve Young at the end of his career, you mm -hmm. know, but he had Tony Romo, Steve Young, and Donovan McNabb. And Donovan McNabb, he doesn't even talk to anymore. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I personally don't think you could go wrong with either of the picks. I definitely think they could both be 1A 
Uh, they're both really electric players. I wish I got to see them play in their primes. I wasn't really able to watch them, but yeah, I don't know. The, the, the one guy I thought about putting there, I truly did because I love him and I love his quarterback. I thought about Marvin Harrison. He wasn't, he was, he wasn't even on the list, was he? Was he, he was. Oh, okay. Yeah, PFF put him on there. The one reason I cannot put him on there. So Randy Moss, he was great with the Raiders. Well, not really the Raiders. He had a season that was good with the yeah, Raiders, but yeah, he was yeah, great with the Vikings. With mm-hmm. He was great with the Vikings. He had 6,000-plus yard seasons. Yeah. You know, he had double-digit touchdowns. You know, he did it with the Patriots. He was great wherever he went, except when, you know, he went to go play for the Niners at the end of his career. Yeah. Eo, he's over here playing on a broken leg with Donovan McNabb. Playing with Tony Romo, making him look like the all-pro he was. Like, they were able to do it with everybody. And that's why I thought Andre Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins were so good because they were out there in Houston playing with the Texans, and they had, what, nine quarterbacks a season? Like, that's why they were so great. And so you look at Marvin Harrison. Are you great because of Peyton Manning? Or are you great because you played alongside Reggie Wayne or vice versa? Was Reggie Wayne great because he played with Marvin Harrison? You don't know. And so that that's kind of the I downside think, of playing with the same quarterback. Yeah. I think it, it's hard to put that in perspective because you it, it kind of discredits the player sometimes. You know what I mean? Because you're it's like, oh, he played with a great quarterback. Or no, I think he's just good. You know what I mean? The, you can have a great quarterback and still not be good. So, yeah. It's hard to it's tough because it kind of discredits them, in my opinion, sometimes. But it does. It it is even tough, though I brought it so. up to begin with. <laughs> and I love I love the Colts. I do. I think Peyton's a top four quarterback of all time. I think Marvin Harrison is one of the best receivers of all time. It's just when I'm able to see Rel Owens make Tony Romo look better, when I have Randy Moss, who is playing with the greatest quarterback of all time he puts up record numbers when he's playing with him. You know what I mean? They elevate their quarterback, not saying that Marvin didn't. I just wasn't able to see if he did or did not. And that concludes our first episode of our factual opinion. Tyler McGee, right alongside me, Zachary Nicholai. You can find us on Spotify, Amazon music, Google play, Apple Music, you name it. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us, Our Factual Opinion. Also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Our Factual Opinion, Wednesdays and Fridays. We'll see you next time.